Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at just uh, three verses together this morning from Matthew chapter 6. This, these words that Jesus speaks occur in a, a portion of Scripture we call the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus' words here, I, I believe, are extremely appropriate for our, our church this morning. So if you would, uh, as you turn there, please stand with me as we read uh, these, these three verses together. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You may be seated. May God encourage us this morning. May God encourage and strengthen us as we deal with what God has brought into our lives. May we be encouraged by these words and by our time of worship together this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we love your word. We love the opportunity to come together as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, and as, as friends, and, and to be able to, to look at these words and, and be transformed by the work of your Spirit within our hearts. But Father, our, our hearts are, are very heavy this morning as we, we think about the loss that is represented in this room, those who have lost uh, so much. I pray that we would come alongside them and love them. I pray that they would feel your, your peace this morning. I pray that they would be able to receive your grace and, and allow others to, to come alongside them and help them. And, and we pray that you would uh, help our, our church to, to work hard. Lord, some here this morning are, are I know, so tired. And thank you for their 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 hard work and their diligence. Lord, give us endurance to, to keep on pressing ahead. Allow us to get the rest that we need and, and then to continue the, the task that's before us to rebuild our community both, both physically and spiritually. We love you and we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Obviously, it's uh, it's been a long week since we were to here together last and Someone, uh, after last service, I told him, I said, you know, I, I didn't get to say everything that I, I wanted to say this morning, and the person said, that's okay, there's always a second service, and I said, well, there wasn't last week. Uh, there wasn't a second service last week, was there? And so this morning, I've got two messages prepared for you all, and we'll try to get through both of them. No, well, not really. But my, my son this, this week, uh, my son Austin, a 10-year-old, uh, told some, some friends, he said, I'm, I'm kind of worried about my dad and this whole sermon thing this week. And he came up to me later and he, or earlier and he said, uh, Dad, it's okay to do a rerun this week. Uh, I think the church will understand. So he's, he's been kind of nervous of, about where we're headed in, uh, in terms of this morning, Sunday morning. And last night I sat down with the family and I, I read these verses and you could see he got visibly more relaxed. He's like, okay. So you feel better? He goes, yeah, you've got a text. And so you, as long as you have a text, I think you'll be okay, Dad. And I said, well, by God's grace, I, I think that's true as well. The, the problem isn't having enough to say, right? The problem is that there, there's so many things that I, I, I want to, to share with you this morning. And before 
Before we get to the text, let me just say a couple, a couple things. Uh, the first thing that I want to say is uh, I, I love this community. And our community, I don't mean just Washington. I love Washington. I live in Washington, but I, I love our community. I love central Illinois. I'm so grateful to God that he, he brought me here, that I, I get to be a part of this wonderful community. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing how God allows us to rebuild it. Again, not just physically, but spiritually. Last week, as, as we left this service about this, this time and went in the hallways, I, I was apologizing to visitors. Hey, I'm sorry we're doing this. I'm, I feel bad. We don't do this every week. You know, this is kind of an unusual thing for us. And I, I had no idea of the devastation that was, that was taking place just a few minutes ago this time last week. No No comprehension. Even as people were, were coming in from outside, I didn't have a comprehension of, of how bad things were. Even as we, we, we realized that someone in our congregation was missing and, 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 and just the, the, the terror that we felt there, even, even then I, I didn't have a grasp of how much was gone. And, and every day it, it's hit me a little bit more. As we left that night, as we left Five Points that last, night, or last week in the evening, I, I was dr- trying to drive home and, and was just struck by there's still traffic it's been eight hours what's the deal and every day it's just hit me a little bit more i'm sure the same is true for you just how how altered our community is it's never going to be the way it was last week but i love our community i look forward to getting to rebuild it by god's grace with you I also want to say this morning that I, I love our brothers and sisters in Christ from other churches. And, and maybe some of you are with us this morning. I know quite a few were with us in first service. Uh, I love you. I love the other brothers and sisters in Christ throughout, you know, literally the world who have been working to help those of us uh, who are in this community. It's a beautiful thing to see the body of Christ coming together. And, and, I, and I love that even in the midst of tragedy. I also want to say I love our visitors this morning. (laughs) Thank you for coming here. Thank you for letting us be a part of your lives. And and please, please, please let us continue to do so. It is our joy to be able to to be with you. So please let us continue to do that. Again, so often I've heard people say, uh, well, I, I know other people are worse than I am. Please. Don't think that way. Let us help you. Let us be a part of your lives. It's been a privilege to get to do that. And then uh, the the last thing I want to say, make sure I say before I I get to the text here, is that I I love Bethany Community Church. I love my brothers and sisters here who I get to worship with every, every week and throughout the week. So many of you have come up to me and said, thank you. Um, and I appreciate that. Um, I don't want to be ungr- ungrateful for, for people saying things. And, and so I receive it, and, and you're welcome for whatever I, I've done. But you, you have to understand, you have to understand, sometimes, um, sometimes a few people have to be the face of things. And... Uh, 
as I, as I said last night to, to someone uh, on a Facebook post, if you were dependent upon your, your staff at Bethany Community Church to do ministry, you would have had, you know, six or seven people sitting in a room in a relatively warm for, farmhouse yesterday, for example. The entire body of Christ came together this last week. And I am grateful that I get to work with you. That I get to shepherd at Bethany Community. Yesterday, I helped organize groups. And I sent group after group after group out into that cold, cold, bitterly cold weather. And it was painful for me. Not as painful for you that were out in it, but it was painful. I, I, I'm not, I, know, where, I know God won me where I was, but, but what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is it's, it's the body, right? And it is a privilege to get to be a part of that body. Thank you. I love you. As I mentioned this last week, our purpose as a church has not altered a degree. We continue on the same course as a church that we have always been on. Our purpose as a church last week, minus an hour ago, was to glorify God as we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and as we prepare his people to worship him forever. This morning, our purpose is to glorify God as we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and as we prepare his people to worship him forever. Our ultimate purpose has not changed a bit. And yet, our ministry landscape has altered dramatically. It's altered dramatically. I don't know if you remember, but, but sometimes whenever we talked about our building ministry, as, as, as people would present, you know, we, we'd say, uh, the building is a tool. The building is a tool to do ministry. Here's our purpose. As we look at the landscape right now, here's what we think we need. We think we need this, this building at this point, and it's a tool we're going to be able to use to achieve the purpose. The building isn't the purpose. The purpose is a purpose. The building is a tool, a means to accomplish the purpose. And we said this, I hope you remember this, we said, this is our plans based upon what we know right at this moment. God in his sovereignty could change our courses in the short term or the long term, and God would still be great. Our ministry landscape has altered. And God in his grace has used a terrible, terrible event to give us a a, a ministry opportunity that I pray that we as a church do not squander. You see, at this moment in our time, uh, at this, this week, this month, we don't need a building to do ministry. God has presented us a, an amazing opportunity to, to love and care for, for our community. And so I want to say, Bethany Community Church, I love you. I'm grateful that I get to do this with you. Those are some things I wanted to make sure. There's more things that I want to say, but 
those are some things I want to make sure that I, I said before we turn our attention to the text. And so let's, let's look a little bit more closely here at Matthew chapter 6. And, and as we look at Matthew chapter 6, the, the main thing that I want you to grasp, the main thing I want you to encourage you with this morning is cling to someone sure. Cling to someone sure. On Sunday night, as our family gathered together in the room, the kitchen, without any power, we had some cereal by candlelight, and then we uh, went upstairs, and, and I, we decided as a family to all sleep in the same room, and so Whitney and I piled under our bed, and the kids got their sleeping bags and their blankets, and they, they made little four little pallets around our bed, and I told them, we're doing this because we don't have power, and we need, you know, kind of conserve some energy here, and so we're going to do it this way, but in reality, though that was part of the reason what was I thinking? I want my kids as close to me as possible so I can wake up, see that they're okay, and hug them. On Thursday night, you think things are kind of settling down and people are getting back into routine. Thursday night, I, I walk into my room and what do I see? There's you know, two little kids on my bed. What are you guys doing? Well, we were scared. You guys want to snuggle, don't you? Well, if you're not too busy, Dad. Okay. Snuggle, snuggle, snuggle. I'll go to bed. In a crisis, we want to be by someone who is secure, but, but you know the reality, right? And, and some of you know this more deeply than I do as you've experienced loss. You know that you are completely unable to protect anyone ultimately, right? As a dad, I can hug my kids all that I want, but I know in the, at the end of the all analysis, there's, there's nothing I can do to keep my children perfectly safe. I'm not the one that I need my children to ultimately cling to in a crisis. So what I want to encourage you to do is, this morning is the same thing that I encourage my children to do. I want to encourage you this morning to cling to someone who is secure I want to encourage you this morning to cling to Jesus Christ. And I want to just, just walk through three thoughts with you from this, from this, this passage. Some things that we, we cannot help but lose and someone who we must find. I want to look at three truths with you as we think about the disaster that has just struck our community and how we respond to the, the, the things that are in our lives, things that I think God would have us think about this morning. And here's the first thing I want you to process with me this morning. First, you cannot keep your stuff. You can't keep your stuff. Listen to what Jesus says here in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and, and steal. And so uh, what is Jesus saying there? In the first century, a person who had something of value had a difficult time making sure that it stayed secure, right? You had a, a nice garment, a garment that was, that was beautiful, and so you wanted to keep it safe, and you could put it in an area, you could try to store it, but moths could still get to it, the elements could still get to it, and this, this garment would have a limited shelf life. If you had some some precious coins that you'd accumulated, something of value, what you could do in the first century is you could put it in a, a center room in your house, a room without windows, and, and you could put it there, and, and you could put it in a lockbox, but 
at the end of the day, someone could dig in, a thief could dig in through the wall and could, could, could take your things. A, a thief could steal. And, and so in Jesus' day, the elements could get to things. Thieves could get to things. Moths could get to things. And, and nothing that a person had in the, the first century could they say, this is secure, this is safe, no one can mess with it. The same is true for us today, right? So many of you have experienced that reality. And I've, let me just say this too. I've been so, so amazed by how so many of you have responded by, by, by saying this exact truth. Hey, you can't keep my stuff. You can't keep your stuff here as we look at life here in, in central Illinois and in, in Washington in the year 2013, that the same problem faces us. There's, there's nothing that we can do to, to keep things secure enough, that the treasures that we have simply will not last. And maybe you saw this headline Monday morning in the Peoria Journal Star. What did it, what did it say? Big block letters. Now it's gone. A picture of the, the devastation. Now it's gone. And so many people have experienced that reality this week. We've seen items strewn all over fields and through neighborhoods and, and things that were so, so valuable at one time now are just gone. The treasures that we have, we, we can't possess Maybe you heard this statement too. I've heard it again and again this past week. A person would say, yeah, I, I just remodeled the bathroom. I just finished remodeling the kitchen. The carpet was brand new. My truck was just paid off. We just moved into this house I had finally gotten the kitchen painted. And how did it end? And now it's gone. And now it's gone. And the reality is, as many of you have said to me this week, and the reality is that that same headline can be applied to everything that we have ultimately talking to a member of our church and he was showing me the, the devastation to his house and he, and he showed me the, 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 the missing roof and things like that and said, you know, all this stuff is, is over here is all my stuff that's gone that no longer is with me. And then he showed me the U-Haul truck that was putting their, their stuff that had survived into the U-Haul truck. And he says, and someday that's going to be gone as well. And he is exactly right. Now it's gone is going to be the headline over every possession that you have right now. You can't keep your stuff. Now given that reality, let me just offer two encouragements to you as we, we think about this, this reality that we can't keep our stuff. Let me offer uh, two encouragements based upon this truth. Uh, first of all, uh, because you can't keep your stuff, don't love it, right? Right? Because you can't keep your stuff, don't love it. Uh, ironically, on Thursday, I, I spent Thursday before the tornado hit, I, I spent a lot of my time 
hoarding my stuff in some sense. It's trying to protect. I, I backed up some files. I, I installed a, a backup or had a backup sump pump installed. And there's just a lot of, I don't know why, but on Thursday, a lot of my mind and energy was, was about my, my things, the things I've accumulated for myself. And I, I don't think those things are necessarily wrong to do, but understand this. Whenever you begin to love your stuff too deeply, your desire to, 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 to keep it safe is going to increase, and you're going to spend a, an unhealthy amount of time fixated on, on how to keep your stuff. You can't keep your stuff, so first of all, don't love it. Secondly, because you can't keep your stuff, don't hoard it. Don't hoard it. Sunday night, we finished eating our cereal dinner by candlelight, and I I said, okay, uh, it, you know, it's survival mode now for the Bennetts, okay? We need to think of a survival plan, okay? And so let's, let's think about our resources and about uh, how we need to, to, to use them as a family, and we're going to think about the needs that exist in our, in our church, and, but, but let's, let's start by how we're going to get through the next 24 hours and, and 48 hours and, and longer if the power doesn't come back on. And uh, here's what sur- you know, survival Daniel, here was my first instruction to our family. Step one, let's eat the ice cream. Let's eat the ice cream because the ice cream is going to melt, and that would be a real tragedy, right? And so let's make sure that we get that ice cream under control. And the kids love that plan. Yeah, Dad, let's keep the power out longer. Uh, so, so the first thing that we did as a family for survival is we got out our spoons, and we opened up the ice cream, and the kids began eating the ice cream because it wasn't going to last. Now, what's the point? All of our stuff is going to melt away. For the Christian, every day, in a sense, should be ice cream day, right? We understand, look, I have these resources right now, and I have these resources for a limited time. Therefore, I better use these resources in a wise way for the benefit of others. I've got this ice cream for a short amount of time. It's not going to last. Let's get out some spoons and let other people be blessed by it. And our, our foolish thinking sometimes, as we look at life, is to, to buy more ice cream and put it in a freezer that's not going to be able to keep it anyway. You can't keep your stuff. Don't hoard it. Invest it. Last week, an hour and a half, an hour and a half before the tornado struck, I asked our church, as we were talking about the, the temporary nature of this kingdom, I asked this church to write down some things that God had blessed them with and how they could use those things for God's glory. An hour and a half later, some of the things, there's a very real possibility that some of the things that had been written down no longer existed, Right? Our time with the things that we have is so very limited. Don't waste your stuff by hoarding it. You can't keep it. So the first truth we see in verse 19 here is that you can't keep your stuff. The second thing that I want us to see in verse 20, not only can you not keep your stuff, you can't keep your life. Jesus 
has just said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in. And he says in verse 20, but, in other words, contrasting to what I've just said, but instead lay up for yourselves treasure in, in heaven. Now, why would he say that? Well, because there's a life after this life, and the life after this life is a life that's going to continue forever. And so what that tells us, there's a lot we could talk about in verse 20, but what I want you to see this morning is simply this. Because it's foolish to store up treasures in, on earth, or the reason that it's so foolish to store up treasures on earth is because our time here is limited as well. Not only can we not keep our physical things, we can't even keep our lives. Now, before I go on, let me just say, I am so very grateful to God that he preserved our lives. The terror that I felt immediately after the tornado as, as, our, as, as my friend Dan was missing was, was, was very real. And the idea of, of, of losing him or losing others as we saw the, the, the depth of the devastation was, was just beyond belief. And so we're, we mourn for the life that was lost and for the, the injuries that were faced, but at the same time, we're very, 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 very grateful to God that he preserved so many of us. But, the end is still coming. Right? Unless the Lord returns first, death still is in our future. We're grateful to God for today. We're grateful to God for the reality that we can come together this morning and and worship together, but we know the end is still in our future. Death still is on the horizon. We don't know how long God will grant us. You can't keep your stuff, but, but you also can't keep your life. Now, now let me just give you a, a couple thoughts here as, as we think about this reality that we can't keep our life, as we think about God's, God's uh, responsibility and, and, and relationship to, to disaster and to to, to, to tragedy and to losing our life, I, I, want us to, I want us to think biblically because I've heard some things this past week. I've heard people say some things that are, that are well-intentioned but I don't think are biblical. And, and they may seem kind of comforting for a moment, but I don't believe they're ultimately comforting. Things like, well, well God, you know, God is just as sorry about this as anyone else and there's, there's nothing he could do. Or God didn't uh, want this to happen in the sense that, that he couldn't have done anything to, to stop it. It's just one of those, those things. Let me share with you some, some thoughts that I think are helpful for us to ponder as we think about God's, God's uh, relationship to the disaster our community has just undergone. And, and some of these things are, are hard to grasp. Some of these things are, are hard to say. But, but understand this. We don't see the entire picture. And sometimes we can look at one of these statements and, 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 and extrapolate it further than what Scripture says. But let's, let's think about each of these statements and see how they kind of fit together. You know, when you're watching TV, you don't just stare at one pixel. Uh, you see all the pixels kind of formed together to, to, to create a picture a, over the entire screen. So let me just kind of share a couple thoughts as we think about this reality that we can't keep our life. Uh, one thing that I want you to see, uh, one statement that I want to make as we think about this reality of, of God's re, re, uh, relationship with tragedy is, is this. Firstly, uh, Christians don't deserve to die or live 
any more or any less than anyone else. Christians don't deserve to die or live any more or any less than anybody else. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says that you know, the rain falls on both the, the good and the bad. And so I think as we consider the, the path of the tornado and we see God's gracious hand in preserving so many churches and so many lives, at the same time, we don't say, well, we're better and that's why God preserved us. We, we say, you know what, if a tornado had hit me personally directly and I was no longer with you this morning, that the truth would be the same, that God is good and God should be worshiped. And so I, I rejoice that God has allowed us to worship another week on this earth, but Christians don't deserve to live or die any more or any less than anyone else. Here's a second truth that I think is important for us to think about as we think about how we, we can't keep our lives. A second truth is this. God is sovereign over all things. God is sovereign over all things. And sometimes as we come to a time of tragedy, our, again, our temptation is to, to, to downplay God's sovereignty and not, not embrace God's sovereignty, the idea that God is in control of, of all things. And let me just say very clearly this morning, God is sovereign over all things. Listen to what Scripture says about God's control and His awesomeness. Hebrews 1.3, talking about Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews says that Christ is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus Christ, by the word of his power, holds every molecule in the universe together. That, that's by, by Christ. He's completely sovereign. Colossians 1.17, and, and he is before, Christ is before all things, and in Christ all things hold together. Ephesians 1.11, in him we've obtained an inheritance, having been, been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. There is no situation that you and I face that, that God is not sovereignly in charge of. Nothing happens apart from God's divine will, and that is an incredible comfort. Because if I believe that God is not sovereign over even tragic events in my life, you know what that means? It means that there's no benefit in, in praying to him. It means that there's no God-glorifying purpose in that event. But if I believe that a sovereign God who loves me and who, who loves his creation very dearly takes me and, and, and puts me into a time of suffering, I believe that his sovereign hand that brought me there is the same sovereign hand that will sus continue to sustain me if he so chooses and will, if he so chooses, bring me out of that time of tragedy or take me home in his sovereign hand. Psalm 135.6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth and the seas and the deeps. Uh, Psalm 148, 7 and 8. Let me say this again. Psalm 148, verses 7 and 8. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all deeps. Then listen to this. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word god is sovereign even in the midst of tragedy 
even though he doesn't rejoice in suffering, he's sovereign in the midst of it. The laws of nature have been written by an eternal God who in his, his infinite eternality has had the ability to consider each millisecond of your life for an infinite amount of time. Because he's an eternal God with no beginning and no end, because he's existed in eternity past, he has had an infinite amount of time to consider every millisecond of your existence. God is sovereign in that sense. Another thing I'd encourage you with as we think about how we can't keep our life, I'd encourage you to think about this, and, and this may be kind of controversial, but, but, but think about this. Christians should repent and worship during times of tragedy. Christians should use times of tragedy to, to repent and worship. In Luke 13, the disciples asked Jesus about a tragic event that had some people who are listening to Jesus ask him about a tragic event that's taken place and some Galileans who'd lost their lives. And Jesus says, look, uh, do you think that these Galileans are worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 in whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Again, this, this may sound like a very hard truth, but, but I think it's an ultimately a comforting truth. As we as a community come to a time of suffering, and we see the, the devastation that, that has taken place, what we understand is, is, this is this is just a taste of the end of an existence in which God has not been worshipped. We know that, that far more terrible tragedies await us unless we become God worshipers. And so even in a time of, of intense suffering, what do we do? We say, God, I know I don't deserve your grace. I need your continued mercy. The same mercy that has saved me from this time of destruction. I, I'm trusting in that same mercy to save me and my eternal soul. Christians should allow suffering to work its right effect in their lives, right? Uh, two weeks ago, uh, I read a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. and In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is talking to the, his brothers and sisters and says, look, I, we don't want you to be ignorant of the sufferings we're going through, the affliction we experience in Asia. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we'd received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul is saying, look, God had brought us to a time of suffering to force us to rely upon him. And what I told you two weeks ago is still true today. What I told you two weeks ago is that suffering is a tool that a loving God uses to make you more like his son, Jesus. And unless you've reached complete perfection, I said two weeks ago, suffering is in your future. That's still true today. Suffering is a tool that a sovereign, loving God is going to use to make us rely more upon him 
to cause us to trust him more deeply, to cause us to realize that this life is fleeting, to cause us to realize that these things that he's given us are temporary, to cause us to turn to him. God loves us. And the reality that we can't keep our life should cause us to turn and treasure him more closely. That brings us to the third thing that I want us to consider together this morning. You can't lose Christ. Jesus Christ, as he concludes this short little section of Matthew chapter 6, he, he says in verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Don't set your heart upon earthly treasures because you can't keep those things. Don't set your heart upon your very life because even your your very life is like a, a vapor. It appears for a moment and then it's gone forever. Instead, set your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ as your great treasure, as the pearl without beyond price, the, the pearl through which we can receive eternal life. Last week, as we were kind of beginning to prepare to leave five points, um, my daughter Hannah and I, my, my 12-year-old uh, little girl, are, are walking down the hallway here, and I, I look at her, and, and uh, we kind of come out of the darkness into a, a lit area, and I just look at her, and I, I realize just how much I love her. I tell her, I said, uh, Hannah, I am... I'm so, I'm so grateful that you're okay. That's the most important thing. And then I stop myself. Because I realize that's not the most important thing, right? As much as I love her, as much as I, I love my wife, as much as I love my other daughter, my other, my other sons, the most important thing is not their physical safety. And I looked at her and I said, actually, Hannah, that's not true. The most important thing is whether or not your soul is right with God. As deeply as it would hurt me to lose her, I said, it would hurt me more if your soul was lost than if your body suffered loss. I want to encourage you this morning to think about the reality that this tragedy teaches us. And, and as much as I think it's right for us to say, I'm glad you're okay, and I'm, I'm glad you're all right, and I'm glad God preserved you, and, and let's worship God together because of his preservation, we can't say that even our lives, our physical lives, are the most important thing, Right? We understand as a church, as those who love Jesus Christ, that the most important thing is our our trust and our faith in him, that he is the the treasure above, above our lives, above our possessions, above everything is the treasure of Jesus Christ. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And what I want to do is I kind of begin to, to, to close up here this morning. I want to talk to you about how you can treasure Christ. These are some things that I share with people as I talk with them about 
the good news of Jesus Christ. The, the first thing that I believe is important for you to understand is that, that heaven is a free gift. A relationship with God and spending eternity in heaven with God is, is a free gift. Uh, you can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't uh, pay for it. There's nothing you can do to earn eternal life. Heaven is a free gift. The reason that heaven is a free gift is because of, of who you and I are. God tells us in his word that, that we are sinners. We can't save ourselves. That we, we've sinned against a holy God. We're, we're dead in our trespasses and sin before God, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us. And so there's nothing that you and I can do to save ourselves. We've, we've, the things that we think, the things that we say, the things that we don't do that we're supposed to do, no matter how, how good we are at our core we are still sinful human beings. It doesn't mean that we do every wicked thing that we could possibly do, but, but we know that, that everything that we do is, is, is not as it should be in God's sight, the, the ultimate degree that it should be. Just You think about the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and I, I fail in that commandment on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. And so the reality is that heaven is a free gift, and it has to be because I can't earn it and I can't deserve it. The scripture also tells us that, that God is a God who loves us, but is holy and just. And as a holy and just God, he must punish sin. And scripture tells us that even though we're sinners and God loves us, he has to punish sin and he will. The scripture tells us that because he loves us and must punish sin, he sent his son Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, as the Son of God and as God himself, lived a perfect life and became a perfect sacrifice for each of us. And as he died on the cross, Scripture tells us that he, he bore our sin. If you took all of our sin, all the sins we've ever committed, God laid those on him. And Christ bore the full penalty for those sins on the cross. Now, how can we receive such a gift? How can we receive the gift of eternal life? And please, please pay close attention here. We know that our possessions are worthless, right? Your possessions are worthless. For many of us, we've seen that in very profound ways. So we know we can't give God enough possessions to earn heaven. We know that our life is worthless in, in some senses, in, in the sense that it, it's, it's not of a, something of eternal value, our physical lives. We can say, look, look at how wonderful my life is. We know that our life is fleeting. There is nothing that you and I can give God to, to merit eternal life. All we can do is receive the free gift of eternal life on the basis of our trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who lived the perfect life and died on the cross for our sins rose from the dead, all we can do is take his righteousness and say, God, there's nothing I have. I need your forgiveness. I'm trusting in your son, Jesus Christ, alone for my salvation. Please save me. And my encouragement today, as you think about all that is lost, that you would find Christ even this morning if you haven't already, and that your trust would be in him alone for your salvation. I'm going to pray here. Before I do, just a reminder, if, if you'd like to talk to someone about your relationship with God, I encourage you after this morning to, to make your way down the hall. There'll be some, some people in the room near the library there to, to pray with you and talk with you. 
Even if you say, you know what, I don't want to talk with them about my spiritual needs, but, but if you would just pray with me, we'd love to do that. Or I don't even want someone to pray with me, but I, but I have some needs and I, I know I, I need someone to at least help me think through how I'm going to meet them. Let us talk to you. And, and please don't say, I know there are people worse off than me because we still want to help. We still want to be able to, to come alongside you. But most importantly, we'd love for you to find Christ today and place your trust in him alone for your salvation. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for the ability to pray to you this morning. We pray that you give us your grace to worship you rightly. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.